are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. We are back for another episode of Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. First off, I want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Locked On MLB Prospect. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you, Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice. Aram Lighten is the only daily podcast devoted entirely for the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your prospects. Obviously not a bad listen here for, uh, for, for Detroit Tigers fans. Welcome back, though. I am Scott Benley. I am your host, and we are back here for another week, kicking off another week at Locked On Tigers. Wrapping up a weekend series against the Houston Astros, split it two to two. Had a had a little double header fun with all the rain and uh, and such that's been going on in the Detroit area. Heck of a weekend for uh, for for the Motor City and baseball. Definitely not on the forefront of everybody's minds there. So hope everybody's safe and doing well. But we did. Split a weekend series with the Houston Astros, which is which is never a bad thing. We'll, we'll gladly take that, given where we're at and where they're at in uh, in our organizational. I don't know what do you want to call it arcs. You know, where where are both of our organizations stand? We will gladly take that, and, and we've really played well to Houston all year. And I I would imagine that AJ Hinch has has a relatively large part to do with that. A he's just really good at his job, but B knowing. All those players in that clubhouse and in that dugout so well, obviously can't hurt. Obviously, don't say obviously. Can't hurt. Uh, we'll take a split. We'll gladly take a split. First off, we're going to talk about Casey Mize. Then we're going to get into Tarek Skubal. And then in the third segment, we're just going to do a, an all-around, just any notable performances, some roster moves were made, etc. Just wrap up the weekend as a whole. But uh, Mize and Skubal are each going to get their own segments because both of them had very important, I would say, weekends to uh, to the club. So for starters, Casey Mize. What a performance from Mize. He continues his, his streak of really good pitching performances. If we go back to the beginning of May, okay, May 1st. His first start in May, I believe, was May 5th. So I guess technically you could say May 5th, May 1st. Same thing. Since the first day of May... His stats, that's 10 starts, 8 quality starts, 2.77 ERA. And going into Houston's game, or the game against Houston, I should say, he had the lowest opponent batting average with runners in scoring position in all of baseball, better than Garrett Cole, who sat there at second. 61 innings pitch total in that span. And that opponent average was the whole season, not just since May 1. Kind of all over the place with my stats. Regardless. He is really taking a big step forward this year. Obviously, a lot of adjustments are being made. Very, very impressive. This start specifically, um, he got behind and counts a little bit. He he was he has still been just incredibly more efficient lately than he was at the beginning of the season, and then especially at then he he was last season. He, he that was really the big struggle. The stuff was there, but the efficiency was not, and he was falling behind late in counts and, and would have an eighty pitch count by the third inning. He has 
taken a step forward. There's still another gear that I think everyone kind of expects him to unlock as he continues to grow and continues to make adjustments and continues to get better. And I have no doubt that he will, especially pairing him with Chris Fetter, who everybody knows, obviously, that I have a huge man crush on. Casey Mize will take that next step forward and he, he will continue to grow like that. But for now, this most recent start, six innings pitched, solid performance. Really solid performance. And the big noticeable thing this performance was the splitter. This kind of, this season really as a whole, but specifically in this 10 game stretch where he has done so well, like I said, almost a a 2-7 ERA in his last 10 starts, eight quality starts, hasn't given up more than three earned runs since April. In that stretch... He actually hasn't been throwing the splitter very much, really at all. Last year, it was obviously very heavy. And in the minors, it was obviously very heavy. And in college, you know, that was the big advertised pitch. It's been part of him. It's been part of his, the marketing scheme around him. It's been part of what seems to be his DNA, really, for, for since he was in high school, it seems like. But he really kind of has gone away from it. He has this nice cutter that's beautiful. Causes a lot of weak contact. He's been using it a ton lately. The fastball has obviously been good. Change-up breaking ball. It's been solid, but he hasn't. He really has gone away from the splitter lately, and he just completely flipped that script and went right back to the well and just threw the hell out of his splitter this weekend. And that, that was awesome to see, for starters, because... With how advertised that pitch was and how much we've been hearing forever that it, it was going to be the one of the nastiest pitches in all of baseball. The break on, it's ridiculous. It's like a change up but faster, blah, blah, blah. All this. It's nice to see that that he it was it was a nice reminder. It was an uh, it was a uh, as Jay Z would say, allow me to reintroduce myself. You know that that's really what it what it was like, and it was an awesome awesome moment and it was really fun and even though like I said it wasn't the most efficient outing ever yet I, I want to say 100 pitches through six innings we will gladly take that for where he's at in in his growth and in, in his progression through the hell out of the slider I was so impressed got a lot of swings and misses with it at that and, and the balls that were how do, what am I even trying to say the people that did make contact with it it was soft contact soft contact swings and misses it was really an effective pitch. Five strikeouts as well. Um, all of the, the the betting sites have been putting betonline.ag, by the way, have been uh, have been putting his over under for K's at four and a half, which I found really interesting because he's been hitting the over on that quite a bit, but it continues to stay there, and I'm just wondering how long it's going to stay there. I don't know if that's because his K per nine for the season is only a little over seven, so I guess maybe it has something to do with that, but. Um, I think, you know, he's been relatively consistently getting five through six innings pitched or whatever, somewhere around there. So it'll be interesting to see how long that uh, continues. But for the start of Saturday, super, super, super impressive. Uh, I really would have liked to see him go out there and just try to get the complete game in a seven-inning game, personally. But obviously, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. We got the win. It was probably the right decision to do. We're going to trust A.J. Hinch over me. Of course we are. I didn't say obviously there. However, it would have been cool, right? 100 pitches, one inning left. Give him a a one batter leash. You know, he lets somebody on, you pull him. Give him a one batter leash, throw him back out there. Let's see what happens. Regardless, though, 
incredibly incredibly solid performance super happy with everything the splitter is back and it is nasty which is such a good sign the cutter continued to to be good his his command left him a little bit i want to say it was the third inning i probably should have looked that up i apologize i want to say it was the the second or third inning his command left him a little bit uh kind of had some runners get on there he got babbipped too oh that, that that that's i think it was the it was either the second or the third inning man nobody on two outs and just gets Babbitt for a run. Three straight seeing eye singles. Not that they weren't hard hit or anything, but but not difficult plays at all if they're hit two people. Just seeing eye sing. I think it was three, maybe even four in a row. Just, just couldn't get that final out and get out of the inning. And then for the rest of the outing was relatively smooth sailing. Like I said, had a little bit of you know, got got behind in counts and had to work back, etc. But his walk numbers have really been pretty solid this year. That uh, they definitely weren't super inflated this game. I think he only had two walks. I want to say two or three. So really, really, just a, a a solid performance. Very encouraging performance to see him go back to the well with that splitter that that has been not very consistently or often thrown in the, his last few starts. So to see him go back to that, throw it so much, and still put up the same production and the same final stat line that he has is obviously incredibly encouraging. The only other thing I want to touch on with him, he's in the AL Rookie of the Year conversation at this point. I think going into um, before last week, and not that this Saturday start was some crazy, oh my gosh, he's now in first place and he was in fifth start or anything. But I think before last week, people were kind of like, okay, that's eight really solid starts in a row for this kid. Let's see what he does. And his last two starts have been no different going on whatever it was two weeks ago and going on the national stage and kind of matching Garrett Cole, even though obviously way less efficient, like through 30 or 40 more pitches that when he, you know, threw five innings, but had the same stat line as Cole through five. Like, I think he, he's really put himself in that conversation. There's no clear front runner at this point for AL Rookie of the Year, I would say. At least, you know, everybody has a list, but I don't think there's a clear, everybody kind of unanimously agrees that this dude's going to take it home. So uh, I think he's definitely putting himself in that conversation. Obviously still rookie eligible. Him and maybe a few Tigers. Scooble, he's probably ahead of Scooble. I don't know um, how much that's going to go, but like Badu has easily hit himself into the bottom part of that conversation, if not more. Uh, so yeah, AL Rookie of the Year is something that's going to be really fun to keep an eye on for the second half of this season uh, post-All-Star break for this team because we got a lot of dudes that uh, that are kind of in that in and around that conversation, which obviously makes it super fun. All right, on, uh, now we're going to get into Tarek Skubal, but first I'm going to talk to everybody about the Wild Alaskan Company. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein. But the seafood counter can kind of be intimidating. Which fish tastes best? What type of cut is best? Can you really be sure about the quality? Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. You're used to having a lot of choices when it comes to what you eat, but it matters where your food comes from. Get your nutrition from nature. The Wild Alaskan Company sources wild-caught seafood from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, white fish, or a combination of the two. And every month thereafter are different specials to explore. 
Each shipment contains premium, wildly caught, individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to be prepared and cooked. Wild Alaskan Seafood Company is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership at any time. They offer 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money completely back. Get your nutrition from nature with a wild Alaskan company. And right now, get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. Make sure to use our URL and let them know that we sent you. All right, everybody, we are back here at the Locked On Tigers podcast. Today is June 28th, Monday, June 28th. I don't know if I said that in the intro. Today's Monday, June 28th, 2021. Wrapping up a four-game series split against your, not your, against the Houston Astros, not your, against uh, the Astros against your Detroit Tigers. In segment two here, we're going to talk about Tarek Skubal. What a performance. What a performance by Scooble. A really a, a breakout. I don't know if breakout's the right word, but but really one of the best starts of his career. Seven innings pitched, one hit, one run, three walks, and nine strikeouts. Didn't get the win, but started in a game in which the Tigers won. Can't ask for too much more than what he gave you today, man. That was that was unbelievable. He was also very efficient outside of the fourth inning. The fourth inning was a rough one for him, but if you just ignore the fourth inning and forget that it ever existed, a really efficient performance, pounded the strike zone, didn't go back to the nibbling thing, really just struggled there in the fourth inning, uh, hit Jose Altuve in the foot, and then we kind of see this with him, not that he loses his composure per se, but he'll make one mistake and then kind of slowly unravel, and he'll slowly, one mistake will turn into two, will turn into nibbling, will then turn into a lot of guys on. And that's what happened. He had nobody on. Jose Altuve gets hit, and then he just walks the bases loaded. Went to the nibbling. Got way too cute with it. The pitch mix was, I didn't think, very good, personally. Um, And just completely, like I said, completely just kind of lost it a little bit there. Lost his grip on the game. Gave up a run on a sack fly. Gets out of the inning. It's the only run he gave up. And outside of that fourth inning was incredible. He was incredible. Man, I tweeted this out as well. But I'm waiting for that one start where he doesn't have the one inning. Because that's that's a reoccurring theme with him. He will have a, a solid performance. And he'll go six. But, but one of those innings will be will be rough. And this this one inning, while it was not very efficient and he threw whatever 25, 26 pitches in that inning, um, it only cost him one run. So that's why you see this great stat line. But in all of his starts, you can kind of point to one inning and go, okay, well, if, if that was a good inning, this is a incredible performance. If he doesn't mess around there and then load the bases and all that in the fourth and just sticks to his guns, recovers after the hit by pitch, attacks like he did the rest of the entire game 
and goes out there, we could be looking at a guy who, who just pitched eight innings or even into the ninth if it, if it wasn't for that fourth. And I'm just waiting for that start. And he's so close. I think he's so close to breaking through. I really do. And we'll talk more about why after I finish up this thought. But he's so close to breaking through. It's just that one inning. If he can just, if he can just not have the inning, just stay consistent throughout all of it, he is going to put up a beautiful performance. He's also leading all American League rookie pitchers in strikeouts, having a heck of a season. I'm not trying to take away from it at all. But I feel like he's he's one he's just one adjustment and and one kind of lapsed inning away from from putting together an insane performance. And if that becomes consistent, then the rest of baseball's in a lot of trouble if he figures it out and, and takes that next step. Why was this start so good is also a really important question. I think that his stuff was incredible today. His stuff was really really good. The fastball life was noticeable. I think a, a lot of people really noticed it pretty early on. His first and second inning specifically, the fastball came out and had life. That thing was jumping. It was popping out of his hand. Really solid early fastball spin rate and velocity. Was into the mid, even upper 90s there very early on, which is obviously a great sign considering, again, he's had some some weird fastball velo, I don't want to call them issues, but spurts where his fastball velo just randomly plummets for like three innings and then it's just fine and we're all like, okay, dude, that was really weird. Please don't be hurt, but like, okay, cool, I guess you're back now. Um, so really encouraging there that the fastball uh, was really good that early on and stayed that good throughout the entire outing, even into the seventh, really solid Great, great, great fastball for uh, for Sunday's game. The changeup location is another one that I want to touch on specifically. The changeup's a nasty pitch. He has a damn good changeup. It moves a lot. It's plenty. It's it's sl- how do I even word what I'm trying to say? It's significantly slower. It's slower enough than his fastball. That's not English, but you you get what I'm trying to say. There's a big enough discrepancy between the speeds of the fastball and the changeup. It's, it's a very good pitch, but the location, whether it's a command issue or just a where they're setting up issue, where the ball is called issue, I, I'm not sure, but it bothers me sometimes. Sometimes he'll just throw a changeup kind of like mid-thigh high over the plate. I'm like, okay, if that was, you know, on a corner, that's a good pitch. Or if that's six inches lower, that's a good pitch. But he does it so consistently and, and they do that thing, both catchers really don't have like set, set glove. They kind of put it where they want, put it down, then put it back up again. So it's kind of hard for me to tell. I have a hard time believing they're calling for, for the changeup to get as much of the plate as it does. But, but it's pretty consistently catching a lot of the plate. And it's bothered me most of the season. So I'm really, I was really encouraged with the changeup today. I thought that he located it a lot better. It didn't catch too much of the plate, but he also wasn't nibbling with it. It wasn't like, you know, the, the, my biggest pet peeve with him is the inability to attack hitters all the time. He definitely, it, it wasn't anything like that. Again, we're, we're sans inning four. It wasn't anything like that. He, he was really, it was just on point. And he even threw it high a couple of times. And everybody knows my affinity with uh, with high 
off-speed and high-breaking pitches. I think that they actually can be super useful, and, and people really haven't figured that out yet. So I'm, I'm very, was very, very pleased with the change up this game. And then obviously the curveball was sensational. Got a lot of swings and misses on it. A lot of just just strikeout. It was it was amazing. It was so well located today. It was biting. It was moving a lot. It was dancing like a ballerina. The location was great. The command was great. The stuff was great. He was phenomenal. And the most encouraging thing about this start was the swing and misses. He got so many swings and misses, so many whiffs. He had like 10 through three innings or something ridiculous like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable whiff percentage, whiff rate, getting causing a lot of swings and misses. And that's obviously an incredibly encouraging sign. So Tarek Skubal with a great performance on Sunday, both of the rookies, Mize and Skubal, both with very encouraging performances. That's obviously awesome. And as we go forward, we're hoping that they, if they just keep building on the last start, keep building on the last start, keep building on the last start, they're going to be very good very quickly. And this rotation, when fully healthy, continues to pleasantly surprise people. The rotation's been really solid all year. It's actually been one of the best rotations in the American League since the beginning of May. And, and again, we're not healthy right now. Boyd is hurt, won't be back till after the All-Star break. Turnbull's hurt, won't be back till after the All-Star break. But these two kids, Manning's been solid, and then those two guys, outside of Urania, really, really, really solid pitching performances from this starting rotation this year. We should all be very encouraged and very proud of, uh, of, of, of the starters, of the starting boys this year. Now we're going to get into just other noticeable performances, the offense specifically, which obviously we haven't talked about. It said obviously again, damn it, <laughs> which we have not talked about yet because we've been talking about so much pitching, but then some bullpen performances too. But first, I got to talk to everybody about Built Bar. Obviously, one of my favorite go-to lunches, everybody knows, the mixed pack where you get two of each. You want to pick your specific flavor. Whatever you want to do, just go with Built Bar. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. As everybody knows, that's my favorite. Double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. That's nine delicious flavors, plus the limited time flavors that they occasionally drop. The flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only only 4 grams of sugar, geez, and only 4 grams of net carbs. So order today. Get that raspberry, that mint brownie, that peanut butter brownie that I am always raving about. They're good for you. They taste phenomenal. They're one of my go-to lunches. I, I credit Locked On for getting me on Built Bar, and it's one of the best decisions I've made. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, everybody, we are back for our final segment here at Locked On Tigers. We're just going to go over some uh, some other performances from the weekend. Doubleheader, calling up the 27th man, you know, being a, down a starter, Willie Peralta starting a baseball game in 2021. We definitely have some performances 
to go over. First off, I want to go over Gregory Soto. Gregory Soto is a man on an absolute tear. The biggest thing with him, his, his really since the beginning of last year, he, everybody knows that he has all the makings to be a shutdown late inning reliever. The biggest thing has just been avoiding the walks. His whip it, it was as high as it was almost all due to walks. Nobody really gets hits off Gregory Soto. Nobody really gets hard hits off Gregory Soto this year, especially the last two months. It, he's very, very good. The thing has just been the walks, limiting the, the damage with control and such. And he has really done that the last couple of starts. His, his or last couple of starts, last, last couple of months. Since the middle of May, his whip is sub-1, his ERA is around or sub-1, and on the year now, his ERA is sub-2 after his two-inning shutout performance against the Houston Astros on Sunday. Great, great performance. The ninth inning, he looked fantastic. Really efficient. Really efficient inning. Wasn't afraid to go after people. It's hard to make solid contact on a 100-mile-an-hour sinker, man. It really, really is. So really solid ninth, and then came out again in the 10th. And in the 10th, with the runner on second rule, it did not matter. Gregory Soto has been unbelievable. His baseball savant page is all red except for walk percentage. And even that's improved. And, and it's still not good. He's still in like the 7th percentile in walk percentage or something like that. But it was like 4. So like, you know, be positive. Because why, why, why wouldn't you? But seriously, he, he is... When he doesn't walk people, he is one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And that is not an exaggeration. That's the last part he's got to figure out. And once he does, we will have a... I'm not even going to front. A, a, I'm not going to hide my feelings about him at all. A dominant back-inning reliever once he figures out the walks. And he has, again, for his last couple of weeks, the walk numbers have been better. And he gave, man, he got he gave up a walk in, in extra innings. I think it was the leadoff batter of the 10th. So frustrating because it was an ump show. It was a full count. He hit the corner. Called a ball. Whatever. Didn't end up mattering. Didn't give up a run in two innings. Sub-2 ERA on the year. Awesome to see. Jonathan Scope is cooling off. I put out a poll that we will go over on the next Tigers off day. Or the next time I'm just, whatever, we get crushed and we need a segment of filler. Put out a, a, a poll on, on the Locked On Tigers Twitter of what to do with Jonathan Scope. Trade him. Extend him. Neither. Or I don't know yet. If you pick neither, I... I, I can't help you. That's just not, not that doesn't make sense. To just hold on to him and, and then let him walk, at, neither doesn't make any sense. That I'm Like 2% of people pick neither, whatever. Extending him, I still disagree with. I think we should trade him. I think it makes much more sense to move him. And again, we can get into, like, actually do a real deep dive instead of just me saying this as passing comments for the last, whatever, three episodes. We can do a real deep dive next time I need a, a, a segment filler um, or our next off day, whatever. He's cooling off. And I think that's why you trade him. Because he is not... I think recency bias is a thing, and I don't deny that it's a thing. I do it too. Everybody does it. His month of June was never sustainable. 
he, he's not going to be some 1,000 OPS hitter for the rest of his career. He's a career sub-800 OPS hitter. His, his career OPS is in the 700s. The high 700s, he's not bad. Again, I, I love the dude. He's solid. He's been serviceable there. He's been really solid. He's been one of our best hitters during this horrible rebuild. But he's been one of our best hitters because we have put together a horrid lineup, not because he's some incredible player. My point is you can you can easily replace a, a whatever, a 770, a 780, a 790 OPS if you're willing to spend a little bit of money. Not the end of the world. He's going to be 30 next year. It just makes way more sense to trade him. And in this kind of, you know, he's a really streaky hitter. He's going to get really hot. He's then going to get really cold because he he doesn't draw very many walks. So that's that's the that's the nature of hitters that don't draw walks. They're super streaky because they don't take a ton of pitches and anything in the zone they're going to take a hack at. So naturally, those hitters have hot stretches and cold stretches. He was on an absolute heater in June. Really cooled off a lot this series. I think only two, maybe three hits the entire series. Cooled off a little bit. We'll see what happens the remainder of the week. But I really think that you should start looking at trade packages now so that if he hits into a massive cold stretch in July and people are like, oh my gosh, why did I want to extend this dude? Like like people were in April when he was on a cold stretch. And people were like, oh my gosh, why did we bring him back? then you can actually move him and have a trade set up and not just be twiddling your thumbs like you did in 2019 with half your roster that you should have traded. Okay, Now that we're all on the same page, just a note, even if you disagree with me about extending him, whatever, he is cooling off. That's definitely something to keep an eye on. Whether you think we should extend him or trade him, it doesn't matter. That's an important thing to keep an eye on because that's obviously the future of either our second or first base position. Akil Badu continues to swing a hot stick, continues to just have unbelievably impressive at-bats. The walks are are coming. They're coming in bunches. He tied the game late. He is leading the team in OPS. I, I mean, the story continues, and it's awesome. And, and I don't need to do a full breakdown of Badu again because I just did one last week, but unbelievably impressive. Unbelievably impressive what this kid's doing. He And... I really like Robbie at leadoff because Robbie walks the hell out of the ball, but Badu has been walking a lot too. So I really don't mind either of those guys in my one spot. I wouldn't even mind seeing them one two. Badu leadoff and Grossman at the two. I really wouldn't mind that at all. Um, I, I know Candy is uh, is probably the most effective two hitter just because he's probably our best and most consistent hitter, but he's been slumping lately as well. Um, that's actually a good transition. Jamer Candelario got a hit Sunday, but has been slumping a little bit, sliding a little bit the last week or so. Something to keep an eye on for sure. Again, that's another big debate in the Tigers community, which, um, again, once on an off day or whatever, we can go into, uh, we can go more into my opinion of him and his, his status of the future of this team, whether he's someone that we extend and, and keep around. We still have a few years of control left on him or whether he's someone that we trade now while his value is the highest. That's, again, a big debate in the Tigers community, but regardless, he's one of our best hitters now. Um, so it's good to see him get a knock on Sunday and hopefully he can get hot again because he is obviously, a. I said obviously, he is very much a, a very important piece to this lineup. 
So, something to keep an eye on with him. Uh, the only other people, Nomar Mazzara, get off my baseball team. I, I don't care about the whatever. He has eight hits in his last 10 games or 10 hits in his last 12 games or whatever. I could not care less. He's literally has has a, I said literally, he has a 600 OPS even with this hit influx. They're seeing eye hits for the most part. His, his exit velo is, is not fantastic. He doesn't pull the baseball. He's only effective when he does, and he doesn't. He, he's bad. Okay, He's batting 200 with a 600 OPS. When Derek Hill's healthy again, I want Nomar Mazzara not just optioned. I want him DFA'd. I want him off my, my, off my baseball team, off my 40-man. Hopefully, Derek Hill just comes in and replaces it. We can find a spot for somebody else. I don't care. Just I, I'm tired of seeing Nomar Mazzara bat fifth on my baseball team. Uh, Daz Cameron. Had a pretty solid weekend. His OPS in a very small sample size this year is now still over 800. Still over And again, the first week, I want to say, that he was in the show, it was not that great. He started off pretty slow, pretty pretty slow start out of the gate there. But he's been really good lately. Again, he loves that right center field gap, man. I don't know if that's a timing thing, if that's intentional. I, I, I don't have a good enough memory to do a strict breakdown in my head of where all the pitches that he's received and hit over there are located. Maybe he's just really good. Maybe he's just really good at hitting outside heat. But regardless, very impressive. Very impressive to see him continue to go the other way. And uh, yeah, he, he drew a walk. Really, really solid at-bats. I want to see him get as much playing time as possible. That's another reason why I want Nomar Mazzara sent to the moon. Because I want Daz Cameron, Akil Badu, and when he's back, Derek Hill to get as many at-bats and as much playing time as humanly possible. The only other big thing this weekend, well, first off, small one, Michael Fulmer back to the IL. It doesn't sound pretty. Just a, a so sad. His career arc is so sad, man. Just just devastating. Another injury. We called up someone. <laughs> we called up a filler. It's uh not. It's just so sad to see him continue to struggle to stay healthy, no matter what role he's at. Um, and it's it's really concerning for the future of his baseball career. And I think he's gonna be looked at. I, I hope, and I'm going to hold out hope, that he can come back healthy and still be a solid reliever. Um, I, I would really not let, want to see him in that Mark Fidrich category of Tiger's lore of just insane what-ifs um, that, that flamed out really young. And, and currently, it's looking like that, but knock on wood, hopefully he can come back. Obviously, wish him nothing but the best. A, a massive fan favorite here and just really sad. I, I think a lot of the injuries. The first big one in 2019, I think, is the organization's fault. I think we completely mismanaged it. Just really sad all around and uh, and obviously hoping that he can come back healthy. The big one this weekend was Zach Short getting called up as the 27th man for the doubleheader and then staying on the roster. So he comes up, plays a solid defensive shortstop, a few bobbles. Yes, far from perfect. But the thing is, is that the shortstop position defensively this year has been so bad that you can actually be far from perfect 
and still be a massive upgrade. And that is what we are seeing. Zach Short, very solid defensively. He also has really good walk numbers across the minors. And as everybody is now fully aware, because I bring it up every time walks are brought up, I am a huge fan of people that draw walks. I think it shows a lot. It's very professional at bats. I I love it. Okay, So he, very good walk numbers. Very sneaky pop. Has some... Some, not really home run pop, but decent slugging numbers. Hits quite a few doubles, especially in Comerica Park. I think that could play well for him. I'm really excited to see him here. And do I think he's a long-term option at shortstop? Absolutely not. I still think we absolutely need. I said absolutely like six times there. We definitely need to go out and get a big-name shortstop this offseason. But for the remainder of the season, I want to see him at short as much as possible. And... Then next year, he can be a utility infielder. He can be a backup second baseman, backup shortstop for Trevor Story, backup third baseman, backup wherever. I think someone who draws walks and plays solid defense is a really, really encouraging and a really valuable piece to have on a team. I think that he could fill that role very well. Like I said, I would like to see him get as many starts as we can allow him at shortstop now, when he can stay down the roster, right? So we, for extra innings, for extra innings, geez, for double, for double headers, you can call somebody up and call an extra person up. Have twenty-seven people on your roster for the double header. Then you got to send one back down after. Go back down to twenty-six. Everyone, I think, probably assumed that they were just going to call up send down the same person they called up, which was Zach Short. However, it was not the case. Isak Paredes gets sent down. A lot of people freaking out for no reason. He's 22 years old. They want to get him consistent every day at bats because he is 22 years old. He would not get those here. It is the right decision. It is fine. He is fine. This is no indication or negative connotation toward his career or what the organization believes of him or anything. I promise he's going to be fine. Just want him to get every day at bats. And uh, so so I'm glad that they chose to send him down. The next thing is going to be Willie versus Harold Castro. Willie Castro has been swinging a slightly hotter stick over the last few weeks than he has. But he is quite literally, and I, I meant to say literally with this one, he is quite literally one of the worst defenders I've ever laid my eyes on. He is horrid. He is a horrid defensive shortstop. He is a garbage second baseman, um, and and I don't say that lightly because I don't want to just come on here and bash people, but he is a horrid defender. So you can't hide him anywhere, and he's not good enough offensively to DH. He's far from that. Really just a, a, a BABIP kind of a hitter. That's, again, going to have hot streaks and cold streaks. A mediocre bat that can't play anywhere in the field. I, I, I It feels like a ticking time bomb. I don't know how much... Time we're going to continue to give him. He had a really good year in like whatever, 30 games last year in 2020. He's still very young. There's still some work that could absolutely be done. I don't see anyone going from, I don't really think people fathom how bad he is defensively. It's very hard, you know, people say, oh, let him develop, let him work on it. You can develop below average to average. You can develop bad to below average. I'm not sure what you, 
you're you want to develop the worst in baseball to to like average that's not happening that's not a step that happens you might be able to develop one of the worst in baseball to like well below average or you know bad <laughs> like you're you're not going to develop someone who's this horrible and and on the other side he's going to be like an average to above average defender it's just not going to happen he's he's very far away from that so i think He's a ticking time bomb. If he continues to swing, then then he'll stay here. He'll get some starts at second and probably some DH starts. Harold plays every position, but can't hit. And it's hitting Harold, which is kind of funny. But Harold Castro's not very great either. Not a very good defender anywhere, but plays every position. So that's uh, cool, I guess. But... <laughs> He's not a, a massive plus defender anywhere. He's an average to below average defender everywhere, but he plays everywhere. Cool. And he has no power. He has some of the least, but like maybe the least Tigers power I've seen a hitter since Nook Logan. Like just complete inability to hit the ball on the air hard out of the infield. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty wild to watch, to be honest with you. So... The, the duel between the Castro brothers to keep a roster spot is probably going to heat up, especially if Paredes gets hot down in Toledo. If Paredes goes down there and over the next two weeks is batting four hundo, that, that seat under the Castro brothers is going to get very, very hot very, very quickly. So it's something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. And uh, yeah, in actuality... That, None of those, neither of those guys are really likely long-term plans for this team. So it might, but we're, we are where we are. And for the time being, whichever one of them is, is going to, to fall off and make a roster spot for another one, we can end the experiment with one of them quicker. So we will see something to keep an eye on. I think that's all I got. Before I leave, I want to let everybody know to tune in to the Locked On Today podcast today on the locked on today podcast the los angeles clippers are back in the game question mark maybe interesting take interesting take you'll have to go over there and listen to them especially with that series being 3-1 now very good listen very fun podcast get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That'll do it for me here on Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. You can follow me on Twitter at Bentley Scotty. And we will see you tomorrow, kicking off another great week. Uh, Another fun, Matt Manning's due to pitch soon. And again, some uh, some pretty interesting injury situations to watch and just roster situations to watch. Hopefully some people get healthy soon. And uh, hopefully, yeah, maybe maybe we shuffle up the roster a little bit. One of those Castro bros, maybe. Paredes comes back up. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to keep an eye on. It'll be fun. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go to Therapy's Dope. Peace and love. Go Tigers, baby.